He is a man on a mission. With a mandate to raise generational leaders. Called to set in order the things that are out of order. And to bring leadership development, human capacity building, and wealth creation to all. Welcome to Maximizing Destiny with Dr. Michael Hutton Wood from the House of Judah, the Leadership Factory, raising generational leaders, impacting the nations. And now, here is Dr. Michael Hutton Wood. And so what happens is that it's not necessarily that they are hard-headed. It is just that they don't have spiritual eyes to see what God is doing. And so the brothers of Joseph, when Joseph shares the dreams with them, there's nothing in his life that says that those dreams are accurate. That's right, yeah. There's absolutely nothing that has happened in his life of significance for them to say these are accurate. But the scripture says his father kept in his spirit what Joseph had shared with them. Because the father was a discerning man. So people recognize this annoying things either in the spirit or in the flesh. Unfortunately, in the church, we have so many people that have to wait for things to happen because they can only see it if it is manifested and they cannot see it in its abstract form when it is still prophetic in nature and it is still abstract in nature. And this is why it is sometimes a struggle to convince people that, listen, there's something brewing here. There's something happening here. And if you just hold on a little bit longer, you'll be able to. And that is perhaps the deepest frustration we have. And so the wise man recognizes Jesus as the king of kings at birth. The foolish soldiers recognize him as the king of kings when he's hanging on the cross. Both of them discerned accurately, but both groups discerned at a different stage in his journey. And so what happens with us as we journey with God, not everybody discerns at the same time. So yeah. People that are deeply spiritual can spot something even if there's nothing. But people that are carnal have to wait for something to confirm and to verify it. And that is the frustrations that we will always have as preachers. Because mm-hmm. as preachers, we are always dealing with people that can see and people that will eventually see. And our job is not necessarily to convince them to see. Our job is to do the work of the Lord. And those that see will latch on to it. And those that will eventually see will also latch on to it. But they can only recognize it at maturity, whereas others can recognize it and discern it at inception. So it is not necessarily an issue of the quality or the competency of the gift carrier. It is more a question of the discernment of the person that needs to be a recipient of that grace a recipient of that impartation and a recipient of that anointing. So in those instances, we really have to pray that God would open the eyes of their understanding. And throughout the journey of Jesus, the thing that he prayed the most was that their eyes would be opened, that their mm-hmm. eyes would be opened. Yeah. And sometimes he would not even pray that. He would rebuke them. He says, eyes, but do not see. Mm-hmm. Ears, but do not hear. Minds, but do not grasp, do not comprehend. And so it's a spiritual transaction. The most dangerous people to journey with is the people that have to wait for something to mature before they can say, this indeed is the son of God. And Mm -hmm. so I would rather be on the team of the wise man that can see the son of God when he's a baby than to be one of the soldiers that can only see the son of God on the cross. Mm -hmm. And that is how blind the people are. So we as preachers should not be worried about our competence, but we should pray that people's eyes open and those that see let them journey with us because our job is to feed 
Our job is not to chase and to hunt down. And when the scripture speaks about chasing and hunting down, it speaks about lost sheep. We have to look for the lost. The problem is we spend more time looking for those that are not lost. And that (laughs) (laughs) That's a very powerful one. That's a very powerful one. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe you are catching some serious, serious revelation here. We are honored. We are grateful to have uh, Apostle Brandon Bailey with us today. Minister Dimitrios said, this is just too much. I have never heard this before. You are such a blessing. Thank you, Bishop Michael Hattonwood, for inviting this man of God. This platform, Kingdom Thinkers, uh, did I say Kingdom Thinkers? That's on Thursdays. Lunch Hour with High Achievers was set up at the beginning of the lockdown to bring frontline leaders and emerging leaders on the same platform so that those who are on the front line will share the experiences with those that are coming up. So to promote those who are coming up and also to also release the wisdom of the fathers. So the fathers and the, and the, and the, and the sons Bible says that old men shall dream dreams. The young men shall see visions. So this platform was set up to bring both the fathers and the sons, both the mothers and the, the daughters in every field, not just in ministry, in business, industry, in the seven mountains, so we can share our experiences with those that are coming up and also expose those that are coming up so they don't repeat the mistakes that the fathers have made. And Apostle, you are really blessing us uh, 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 this, this, this afternoon. God bless you. Now I want to tell Apostle Claire, it's also brought another uh, uh, subject right there that we can, uh, for us to explain. He said, remember, this is a platform of education, inspiration, impartation, revelation, um, and, 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 did I say information, <laughs> revelation, impartation, education, continuous learning, so we can come to the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ mm-hmm. and become the sons that this world is waiting for, the manifestation of sons, the manifestation of the mature, not the manifestation of children. So I'm very appreciative of all the comments that are coming up and all the questions that are coming up on this platform. So Apostle Claire, once again, thank you. And everyone that is putting up your comments, keep them coming. Your comments are very encouraging and they are very helpful on this platform. God bless you. Sanely says this is just powerful revelation truth, Apostle. So um, the question is, in the simple natural sense, a father is called by God to give a child more than identity. There is nurturing and much more needed from a father. Many fathers are absent in the natural and we come in the body of Christ and face the same issue because there are many absentee spiritual fathers or mothers. Can you explain this? Can you explain this? I think this is a major thing within the body of Christ where there are many who want access to their spiritual fathers and their mentors are, are more often, which is often uh, not necessarily the case. And I believe that there are many, many reasons why that is so. But let me let you uh, 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 take it and then we'll come in with uh, the I other side. I, will have my, I actually have a school of ministry coming up in April and, and what we will be speaking on is father and son. Uh, because okay. I real, because I realized it's such a confusing topic at times. Uh, so I'm doing that in the month of April. It's part of our monthly schools of ministry, and we should have. Uh, the, uh, we'll, we'll make sure we take the details yeah. and put it on the. If you give us the details 
Uh, Mama B will put it up in the yeah. comment box so people can take advantage of it. Yeah. So we'll have that in the first week of April. But what I want to say to Apostle Claire is one of the mistakes that we should not make is to use the natural process and consequence of life to measure the spiritual. So in the natural, we speak about men that make babies that are not their men that don't take care of their children. And that happens. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about that. But to use that as a criteria to measure a spiritual dynamic is, is perhaps us being a little bit carnal in that sense, you know, because spiritual fathers gives identity. Spiritual fathers are not necessarily, for lack of a better word, they are not necessarily caregivers and providers in the sense that they pay bills, if, if you catch what I'm saying. Uh, but there are people that give spiritual identity. And it is important that we understand that now, to come back to Apostle Claire's uh, dilemma, one of the reasons why that happened, one of the reasons why that happened that she highlighted is because we have a generation that selects spiritual fathers based on popularity and not based upon what God wants them to do and who God wants them to have. Mm-hmm. And so as you travel this continent of Africa, and I'm privileged by God to travel this continent extensively, one of the things that I've always encountered almost in every African nation is that somebody would say, Bishop Michael Arthur, who is my father? And I would ask him, have you met the bishop? Have you interacted with a bishop? Mm. No, 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 he's my father. But, uh, you know, I throw his tapes in there. And I always tell them, then he cannot be your father. Then that is a form of, that is a form of mentorship, you know, and, and it's good that you have that. But the point is that people select fathers based on popularity. Mm. And, and this is why sometimes we miss the fact that we already have a father present with us. Because we, 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 we must what we have because we pursue popularity. And mm-hmm. that form of negligence kicks in most of the time in those type of scenarios. But where people have genuine relationship, it's very seldom that those type of things happen. And the other thing that I always say about fatherhood is that you can only have so many sons. Mm-hmm. You can only have so many sons. And this is why I used the example earlier when I said the three, the three ways that people connect to the local church. Uh, services, networking, fathering. What that basically means is that not everybody in your church will even be your son or your daughter. But yeah. a large percentage of them will be there for services. They will be there for networking. But very few will be there because you are actually their father. And so if our generation can be delivered from the desire for popularity, then we will probably experience the true essence and virtue of fatherhood. And that, unfortunately, is the problem that we have because we can sit behind the computer and decide, hey, man, Apostle Brandon Bailey is my father. <laughs> yeah. I don't know you. I don't know you. So, <laughs> so, so, you, so you can't hold negligence against me because I, I, I cannot be guilty of neglecting you if I don't know you. You, you, you understand? Yeah. And that is the dilemma at the end of the day. So what I would say to people is some of you, greatness is already next to you, but it is so close to you that mm. you actually need it. It is mm. so close to you that you actually miss it. It is so ordinary, so simple mm. that you actually miss it. And that mm. is the problem. Jesus was with the people in Israel. And the people were still saying, do we wait for another Messiah to come? Mm. Mm. Yeah, because it was, right, it was right there. Yeah, because when greatness comes closer, we yeah. miss it. We are normally enamored by things that are far off. But when it comes closer, we <laughs> We miss it because it looks too normal and too ordinary. And <laughs> right. So if you open your eyes, your fathers are already with you. Yeah. 
Yeah. So discernment, isn't it? We need the spirit of discernment. Yes, yes sir. We able to discern the, the the jewels right before our eyes. <laughs> that that we are underestimated. It's just like uh, the the lady in Second uh, Kings four when she was asked, she says, "They've come. My my husband, the prophet, has died. <laughs> she left us nothing, and they've come to collect her children as collateral <laughs> to sell them." To pay off his debt. And the man of God asked her, what do you have in the house? I'm sure she was expecting the man of God to pray, prophesy, and do some gymnastics. And the man of God says, what do you have in your house? And look at what she said. She underestimated a world creating tool. She underestimated what was going to make her great. She underestimated what would get her out of poverty. She said, I have nothing save a little oil. She underestimated her gift, what was inside, right before her eyes, it was right there, the oil. That would turn her out to become a millionaire in the oil business. She underestimated it and said, I have just but a little oil. Thank God and the man of God just proceeded and said, <laughs> go borrow vessels, come back Amen. into your house, shut the door, and then keep pouring, keep pouring, keep pouring, develop yourself, sell it, pay off your debt, and then leave off the rest. So, very often, uh, we're teaching on this series on financial freedom, uh, financial freedom. We're telling people, you don't have to look outside. Your wealth is inside you. It's in your gifts, but you must div- discover it, develop it, and deploy it to add value and to solve problems. Your wealth is right there. And we can also liken it to what you just said. <laughs> your spiritual father or your mentor, who who is there to help you become everything you're supposed to be. could be right there before your eyes, but you are looking out like you said they're looking for popularity or looking for people probably on a big stage uh to be able to now how some if someone made this statement um if you don't have you either have a mentor or a tormentor <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have a mentor you have you, if a mentorless life is a tormented life. Yes. <laughs> Would you like to weigh in on that? How I mentioned yeah. this statement, your fu- your mentor is a picture of your future. Yeah. Your mentor is a picture of your future. Show me who you call your mentor <laughs> and I will tell you what kind of future you have. Show me who your mentor is. Show me who your father is, whom you submit to as a son, as a son. And follow with your heart, with your heart, with your heart, with your heart, with your heart. Listen, <laughs> when my mentors call me, everything I'm doing is dropped. <laughs> when my mentor called me, my mentors could everything I'm doing is dropped. When Jesus met the disciples at the Sea of Galilee, he said, follow me. They dropped everything. You see, it must be from the heart. Not from what you are looking from, looking for from them. It shouldn't be using and discarding. It should be a relationship, father, son, mentor, protege. Do you want to weigh in on, on, on that? Yeah. And again, Bishop, I think we underestimate the, the process of organic growth. We, we yeah. underestimate the process of organic growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are a fast-paced generation, so everything is driven by formula. 
So mm. what a lot of us fail to understand is that certain relationships has to grow and develop organically. And those things take time to really get to the level where it is supposed to be. And I think when we become more patient and allow things to grow organically, we will draw more value from the relationships that are already available in our lives. But I want to go back to what you said in your opening statement as well about a mentor versus a tormentor. One of the things that we don't understand, if we don't have strong sound foundations, Every opportunist is attracted to us. And in, in, in this day and age, people were your foundation. And if your foundations are shaky, opportunists will pop up at your doorstep like nobody's business and they will exploit you for all that you are worth. And in the era of social media, I'll give you an example of what happened on social media. One day, somebody sends me an inbox on Facebook and, uh, you know, it's a silly thing and the guy's prophetic. You know, I'm using that example. And he says to me, man of God, I've, 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 I had a dream about you and this is the dream. Uh, I've never heard of you. I don't know you. When I had that dream, immediately I woke up. I came to Facebook to see who you are and I realized it's not a dream. You actually exist. And the Lord said this and that. And you know, <laughs> I, 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 read, I, I read it and uh, it took me very long to reply. Eventually one day I replied. I just said, I just made a thumbs up sign. But what I realized was that it is the modus operandi of opportunists to mm. seek out desperation. Mm. And if people find that you are gullible and you have no foundation, mm. then you are setting yourself up for exploitation. So yeah. the issue is not even being explo- – the, the issue is really if you have no solid foundation, you become a target of opportunists in a fast-paced generation. So one of the things that we need to do is we insulate ourselves against people coming in to hurt and to abuse us under the guise of being a mentor and being a father when we are able to show our foundations, you know, because people are very reluctant to engage somebody with a solid foundation. And foundations is heard in your conversation. It is seen in your engagement. It is seen in your interaction. It is seen in what you write, how you engage. So our generation need to get back to the place of firm foundations so that they can insulate themselves against exploitation and then come and develop a theory out of their pain because they were not able to have their guards up. And the danger now is that we have an entire generation that's developing theology and theory out of disappointment and not out of revelation because they did not have their guard up when exploiters were coming for them. So mentorship is godly, fatherhood is godly. But if there's exploitation, the danger is that you now develop your revelation and your theory from your pain and not from the word of God. And this is now where we, where a phrase that I call, I call it uh, elimination theology. What does that mean? Because I've been disappointed in a particular area in my life. I have to eliminate that theology from my, from, from, from my equation. You know, I have to eliminate that theology from my life. Same happens with tithes and offerings. People are exploited and they are abused at some level. And now they develop a theology that tithes and offering is not from God. Mm. You know, people are abused by, by mentors and fathers and now they develop a theology that fathers and mentors are not from God. And so the problem is if you are not sober-minded, your theology will change with every life experience. Mm. And this inconsistent theology that is more a reflection of our pain than a reflection of the Bible. So we have to protect and preserve these truths by having firm foundations and being able to see a devil when it comes. That way we will be able to take mentorship to another level fatherhood to another level, tithes and offering to another level, because we are not developing what I call elimination theology. Hmm. Wow, that's powerful. 
I trust that you are all being blessed and empowered. My goodness, this is this is serious stuff. This serious. we need to get. <laughs> Apostle carries a very busy schedule. We need to get him back here now. J Jacobes said you said something, Apostle, earlier on. I think it's in line with what J Jacobes uh, just put up. He said, "Amen." Said over many years, I like the thing about the elimination theology. Over many years, uh, in our nation, South Africa. The relationship of father and son was only exploited through monetary contributions to the father and monthly giving. And without it, cash contributions, the relationship was non-existent, non-existent cause it was said that the father will open up the way for the son. So in other words, what they were saying was in certain relationships, people just related with, uh, if they said you acknowledge somebody as a spiritual father, what their main focus was on was um, you tithing into their lives and by virtue of you tithing into their life, then they open ministry doors for you. That That is not the way it's supposed to be, is it? No, not at all. And again, it goes back to what we just discussed now is that opportunists are drawn to the vulnerable. Yeah. And opportunists will exploit and hurt the vulnerable and those people in turn will develop what I call elimination theology because this guy messed it up for me. This cannot be biblical, you know. So again, mm-hmm. I think we've dealt with that already. Thank you so much, Jay. Jay is yeah. one of our guys that actually follows us here in South Africa. Solid man of God that God is using in Pretoria. Wow, that's powerful. Jay, God bless you for that contribution. That's very, very powerful. Very powerful. Odufo Kai says, you cannot be deceived when you have a solid foundation. That lines up with what we're talking about. Yeah. If you have a solid foundation, um, that's why Bible says, if the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? No one can deceive you if you have understanding of a subject. That's why Bible says, you know, you're getting, get wisdom and then get understanding. Get understanding. That is very, very powerful. So you are not gullible. You are not vulnerable because you know, you know your stuff. You know your stuff. Wonderful. That's powerful. Salele says, this is good stuff. Man of God. This is good stuff. So as we begin to round up for all too soon, it's already six minutes past one. So let's, let's use an extra 20 minutes to, 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 to talk about your book. Yeah. Your new book coming up. Um, you said I completed a book that should be. Now you need to listen. Everyone uh, watching, I want to encourage you to listen to this house. We begin to round up. We'll definitely check, um, uh, apostles schedule. And then get him back here on this platform to, to continue to, uh, minister to, to us. This is very powerful. Apostle, somewhere along the line, if you give your email address, a website, so my wife will put it up on the screen for people who like to take advantage of your ministry resources to tap into the resources that you have to help them. Um, Demetrius says you can't finish. <laughs> you can't finish. You can't finish. Now, I call Brandon Apostle said, I completed a book that should be out in the next month or two. The book is with my design and layout team. The book is titled, Let This Mind Be In You. How your pastor wishes you would think about the local church. We are still playing around with the subtitle. Over the years, most of the training we design is for the set man, who is the head pastor and the leader. We have very limited training for the flock and for followers. There seems to be a significant gap between how the leader thinks 
and how the followers think. This book is my attempt to bridge that gap. In order to bridge the gap between what followers know and what the leaders know, bridge that gap so you can come closer to what the leaders know. But when you don't know what your leaders know, you don't understand your leader and will resist him, will oppose him. The book deals with some of the most sensitive things that we ignore in the local church. It is deep and weighty, also very practical and easily applicable. And I pray that this book will become a training tool for the local pastor and the local church. So this book is meant to bridge the gap between what the leaders know uh, and what the followers know, to bridge that gap and help the, the, um, the followers to know the things that the leaders know so they can flow with him. That's why we set up the pastor's leaders' manner on Mondays, every Monday from uh, 12.30 p.m. To 1 p.m. on Facebook, we teach pastors, leaders. We call it the leaders' man. You know, remember Apostle the showbread for the priests. The showbread. There's a different diet for ministers and different diet for followers. But the things that we know, we must pass on to those who are willing to learn and available to learn, so they can catch what we know and not oppose us and not fight us to be able to get the work to get to another level. The details, the website of Apostle is on the screen right now, www.teliuschurch.co.za slash store to be able to order the book. So Apostle, you want to speak about the book as we begin to round up? Yeah. So, so one of the challenges that I had over the years, Bishop, as I, as I traveled is I would come into churches where I would sit with a pastor and he's hosting me and the guy is dynamic. I mean, you listen to him, you listen to his vision, you listen to his heart and you realize this is an amazing leader with amazing vision. And then you would meet the congregants, you would meet the church, you would get into the church setup, and that gap between them becomes so obvious, you know, and you realize that this man's thinking is here, but the people's output is here. And that started bothering me over the years. Wherever I go, it just started bothering me, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that, that came through often is this phrase, uh, and most of us as leaders are trained with this, you know, it's this popular phrase, uh, Everything rises and falls on leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Mm-hmm. And almost all of us as leaders have been trained in that. But as I began to read the, the, the Bible, and I realized that Moses, for example, was an amazing leader, but he could not enter in the promised land. And I asked mm-hmm. myself, and I tried to reconcile that statement with Moses. Mm-hmm. I said, if Moses was such an amazing leader, how do we apply that statement to him that everything rises and falls on the leader? Did he fail the people or did the people fail him? And it was a conversation that I, I started having in my mind based on what I've seen in churches, based on what I've seen in the Bible. And I said, we focus so much on leaders and so little on followers and on congregants. We hardly train them. Mm. And this is where this book came up. And I said that there must be a way that we can bridge that gap. Because if the people caught the spirit of Moses, Moses would have entered the promised land with them. None of them would have died in the wilderness. So we need to revisit a statement that says everything rises and falls on the leaders. It is really a type of a synchronicity that needs to take place. And so this book came about because I I realized that we need to bridge that gap. There are several different uh, chapters that I deal with. I speak about, number one, building a house. And when we speak about building a house, I speak about the dynamics of how we need to think when it comes to building a spiritual house and uh, what it takes to build a spiritual house. And uh, in there, I deal with the dynamics of building, you know, how you catch the pastor spirit and how you build I don't want to get into all of that details because we'll spend another hour if I have to really go. <laughs> I know, yes. 
in, yeah. in, in detail, but I'm just going to run through some of the chapters that I deal with. I speak then about establishing prophetic purpose. Yeah. And that for me is a very profound chapter because one of the things that I speak about when it comes to dealing with prophetic purpose is how a prophecy is not just received, but how a prophecy is bold and how a prophecy is financed. So, and I use a very simple illustration there. Uh, let me give you this example. Jesus said, the prophecy concerning the life of Jesus, very simple, the prophecy concerning the life of Jesus was that he will wake up in three days. He will be resurrected in three days. But it's a prophecy. It's a prophetic word that a prophet's prophesied over the years. But a rich man comes and a rich man says, can I provide a tomb for Jesus so that he can sleep in this tomb? Uh, can I finance this dynamic, this part of the funeral? And that word that was prophesied years ago that a tomb will be empty has now come to pass because somebody was financing part of a prophecy. Yeah. Now, as simple as that looks, that financing of a tomb was married and reconciled with a prophetic word hundreds of years before Jesus came on the scene, you know. And throughout scripture, one of the things we'll notice is that a prophetic word is abstract. And if people come, they support that prophetic word. They finance that prophetic word. It shifts from the abstract into the tangible realm. And so sometimes the gap between a prophetic promise and the fulfillment of that promise is the discipline and the work ethic of the people that are the custodians or the recipient of that word. So how strong is your backing of a prophetic word. And so you'll have words that continue to hover, words that are continuously suspended because we don't know how to finance it and bring to pass the word of the Lord. And so sometimes a simple act of financing moves a prophetic word from the, 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 the abstract realm into the tangible realm. And we, we literally put structure around that word. So we speak there at length about establishing a prophetic purpose. We speak about revisiting agreement. How can two walk together except they are in agreement? And then there's a, the part that people say it's a bit controversial. I speak about hypocrisy in the pews. Hypocrisy in the pews. And one of the things that I speak about there is how did we place a massive responsibility on uh on the lifestyle of the set man and his wife and his children, but we don't hold ourselves to that standard. One of the things that frustrated me years ago, I was sitting in a church board meeting years ago, and a man that is extremely wealthy that had his own business, was before I started the local church, that had his own business. We were sitting there speaking about an increase of salary for the man of God. And at the time, the man of God was not really earning a lot of money, you know. Uh, it was decent, but we could do better. And we were sitting there speaking about the man of God's increase. And a very wealthy man said, we cannot be paying a pastor that amount of money. And I was so loved in that moment. And I said, you would not love off this wages. You would never love off this wages we give this man. But you will prescribe the standard of lifestyle for him. Mm. That is hypocrisy, you know. Yeah. And I began to, and, and that triggered that chapter in the book, Hypocrites in the Pews, you know. Where, where I would say to Bishop Hutton Wood, you know what, you need to live over a thousand pounds, but at the same time, I'll have a conversation with my friends and I will say to them that, uh, I, mm, I can't live over a thousand pounds. So it's that level of hypocrisy that exists in the body of Christ and stuff that we have to look at. I speak then about influence and inspiration, how many of us are drawing our inspiration from social media and how that begins to inform us in terms of the doctrines we believe the doctrines we embrace, and we don't even have a biblical position for some of that. 
And so those things are very, very important for us to look at. And then I speak about the synchronized movement. And here we speak about how there's a synchronicity in terms of forward movement, how there's a synchronicity in terms of when all of us are on the same page. The Bible uses the phrase, let us walk circumspectly. And that is a militant term where we are marching forward as one man, where we are marching forward as one man. There are several other chapters that we deal with, the matured member, my church, sowing forward, a son of comparison. But it's going to be an absolutely amazing book that's going to shift how we do church. And if people can take this book, absorb that content, we will build amazing churches for God. And I believe that is what we should be doing. So this book, for me personally, it will change the way we do church. And we will be able to bridge that gap between the set man and the people in the church. Because I think if people can just see how we think as pastors and, and just grasp that a little bit, it will change the dynamic of the local church. And we will have powerful local churches. Mm, powerful, powerful. So ladies and gentlemen, the um, email address um for the ordering of this book once again let me just put it up take the email address on the screen www.teliuschurch.co.za forward slash store www.teliuschurch.co.za forward slash store uh pastor let's take this last question from my wife uh she said did Moses fail the people or did the people fail Moses? Did Moses fail the people or did the people fail Moses? In line with what you said earlier when we say everything rises <laughs> and falls <laughs> on leadership. Did Moses fail, uh, uh, did Moses fail the people or did the people fail Moses? In my, in my opinion, based on my observation from scripture, I would say the people failed Moses. Mm. Uh, I would say the people failed Moses because here you have a man that sat face to face with God. Mm. Here you have a man that wielded so much power and authority. I mean, the things that these people see are things that you and I dream of, you know. Uh, these people would see water gush forth from a rock. These people would see the sea just open up and split. They would mm. wake up in the morning and there would be food delivered from heaven. I mean, the things they they saw, it's absolutely mind-blowing. You know, when you read that the journey of Moses with the nation of Israel, it's a mind-blowing experience. Yeah. And I ask myself, how is it that you could see all of that and you have a man that sits face to face speaking to God? Mm. And this man comes to you and he says to you, I just spoke to God. And you know, he's not playing jokes with you because he literally yeah. has to cover up his face because the light that comes out of him is so strong. You can see he's been in a different realm. And this man comes and he tells the people, this is what we need to do next. This is what we need to do next. And these people are just obstinate. Moses complained more to God about a people than anything else. And, and there's so many scriptures where he says, the people you gave me, your people, yeah. these are obstinate people. These people don't catch it. These people this. So I would say the people failed Moses and his frustrations became so much that he sort of began to express those frustrations publicly, but he got to that place because of them. So one of the things I do believe is that everything rises and falls on leadership, but the people do not get a free pass because sometimes great visionaries are failed by their people. I'll share a story with you quickly before we go off. A number of years ago, we were in our denominational church, and the church at the time, strong denominational movement in South Africa. My pastor was in his late 50s, 
but just a dynamic leader that had so much drive, so much vision. At the time, I was in my early 20s. I could have been 22, 23, somewhere there. So one of the mega churches in the city where we were in, they decided that uh, they are moving out. They're getting a bigger premises outside of the city. And that building became available. Yeah. And uh, our church was old by then. And so the pastor decided that as a local church, we should purchase this building because it will help us now to move to the next level in terms of our church. Now, we have well-established church in the community. We have good numbers. We have a nice building. And our finances are fine. We're doing okay. But our pastor feels at the time that this church can go to another level and we are becoming redundant because we're recycling the same pattern year in and year out. We need a new challenge. We need to go to the next level. We went, we viewed this building. The excitement was there. Most of us of the younger guys that was part of that, we were so excited, man of God. And we said, Pastor, we were be doing this. We are doing this. The pastor was happy because his plan was written out. We'll sell this building. We'll use that as a down payment. And then the balance, we will finance it because we have about this income so we can do this. You know, it was a well thought out plan. But you know what happened? The people became fearful. The people became reluctant. The people came up with all sorts of excuses as to why we can't do it. The pastor then eventually said, you know what? I can't move forward if the people are not with me. He said, maybe he made a mistake. Maybe he was too enthusiastic and we're no longer pursuing that. He just stopped it. A few years later, the man of God retired. But here's the thing. We had a defining moment and we missed a defining moment because of our own fears. We missed a defining moment because we could not hear what was in the spirit of the man of God. And now what happened is the same church is now going through the same redundant cycles over and over again. Something that this man tried to, to stop about 18 years ago. Something that he tried to shift. So when I look back, I realize that sometimes you can have a leader that is so driven, that is so excited, that has so much faith and so much zeal. But you can stop him from going to the next level What you. Yeah. Because your fear now begins to dictate how you move forward. And unfortunately, if we don't bridge the gap between the pastor and the flock, there will be a repetition of this year in and year out. A lot of pastors feel stuck today. And the reason why they feel stuck is because they have dynamic vision, but the people they are leading are filled with so much fear. And this, unfortunately, has sabotaged great ministries with great vision. And we always love in what I call the space of potential and possibility We never love in the space of fulfillment and manifestation. And in that sense, I think the people have the power to fail the vision. Wow. 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 This is serious. This is very powerful. Very, very eye-opening. We're definitely going to arrange to get Apostle to come back, to come back. Before I let him give the final uh, word, I'm going to encourage every one of you would like to um, invite you to our... um, our financial freedom masterclass coming up on the 27th of March, our financial freedom masterclass, financial freedom masterclass uh, is going to come up on the screen. Please take the details and then register. This is going to be on the 27th of March, um, Saturday via Zoom, uh, financial freedom masterclass on Saturday the 27th from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. That's going to be after our lunch hour with higher achievers. It's going to be a Zoom meeting, but you need to register at www.michaelhattonwood.org. The registration fee has been reduced from 50 pounds to 30 pounds, 
And some of the subjects that we're going to be dealing with is um, creating multiple streams of income. Similar to what you just said about finance and about refinance, the story you said about the pastor. Finance is major. Bible says, my cities through prosperity shall be spread abroad. And one of the ways in which sometimes members of churches sabotage the work that the leader has, the vision he has, is to withhold resources from them. And sometimes they don't have. So we need to start, we need to teach our members and they need to be available to learn how to create multiple streams of income and not just depend on a single income. So we're going to be looking at fail-proof strategies to become debt-free, how to stay debt-free, how to pay off your mortgage in 6 to 10 years. It is possible how to build financial reserves in farming, in recession, or in a pandemic to finance your vision. You finance your vision and others will catch on via your passion. Then how to build a lasting financial legacy, how to build a lasting financial legacy. So everyone watching right now on Facebook, on YouTube, please take a screenshot of the details on the screen. Uh, the Financial Freedom Masterclass is coming on on the 27th of February, uh, of March, I'm sorry, of March. That's the Flyer Financial Freedom Masterclass, fail-proof strategies to coming out of debt and staying out of debt. So. Take those details right now. Take a screenshot of it. And then uh, we encourage you to be part of this. You have a month from now to plan and register and be a part. We're going to show you some really powerful stuff that will change your financial life and make you a voice, make you an influencer and an affluencer. Affluence brings influence. Affluence brings influence. Affluence brings influence. My cities through the prosperity of my people shall be spread abroad, shall be spread abroad. So take those details and register ASAP for this Financial Freedom Masterclass. We are back your way next week, Saturday. We are back at the same time, lunch hour with high achievers from 12 noon to 1 p.m. 12 noon to 1 p.m. It's going to be an awesome session. I'm continuing my teaching on vision and I'll have a chat with Apostle at the end of the session to see when he'll be free to come back again in addition to other speakers that will also be coming on board. So take a note of these details. As Apostle, would you like to say a final word as we round up today? Yeah. Again, one of the things that I want to encourage all those that were watching the stream is do what God has called you to do. The season that we are in and the times that we are in, it simply requires obedience. Nothing more, nothing less. It requires obedience. This is not a time for us to be fearful. This is not a time for us to be doubtful. This is a time for us to rise up, to be brave, and to do what God has called us to do. So I want to encourage you. You have the call of God upon your life. You have the grace of God upon your life. God is simply waiting for your obedience. And if you can be obedient, God will do the rest. Be encouraged. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. We're going to put his email address on there once again, so make sure you tap into it. Mama B says, this is very enlightening. Jay says, profound. Sir, profound. Apostle Claire says, they were good at holding his hands to win battles, but failed at um, failed at concerning failed, failed at uh, what? I'm just trying to read that properly. Field at um, other mobilizing for his souls and legacy. That's why leaders must surround themselves by strong intercessors and prayer warriors 
and assign just for them and to also deal with the goods in the spirit. <laughs> you know, in the scriptures, Bible described in the church, they are goats, they are sheep, they are wolves. So this is rather quite interesting. Cynthia says, my Lord, Bishop, I must take this class. My future needs these teachings. Charlotte Hodges repeated what I said. Affluence brings influence. Demetrius says, this was a blessing. Catherine says, obedience. Udufukai says, God richly bless you. Bishop, Cynthia Hines says, obedience is it. Noel said, God bless you, Bishop. And Apostle was very, very blessed. Was very, very blessed. Very blessed. Uh, Mama B says, Apostle Claire, sad when there's no one interceding for the leader. We are happy to take, but will not even pray for them. It's very, prayer for your pastor is absolutely essential. I think we're going to arrange one of these days when you come back, we'll talk about why you must pray for your pastor. When you go on our, Mama B, you want to put our website on there for those to order, everyone to order your book. Why to, you must pray for your pastor and how to pray for your pastor. Why you must pray for your pastor. See, listen, you, none of us have any right to criticize a pastor we don't pray for. None of us have any right to criticize a pastor that we don't pray for, a, a bishop or a minister that we don't pray for. And as a matter of fact, when you pray for them, you won't criticize them. <laughs> when you pray for your pastor, you have time to criticize <laughs> them. Mama B said we are empowered. Glory to God. Glory to God. I'm blessed. Timely message. Um, okay. <laughs> Apostle says, my phone has demons. It types strange sometimes. <laughs> God bless you. I love that book. That's how I met you, Bishop Cynthia Hines. That's how she met. Okay, that's good. Cynthia Hines, watching from Connecticut. She ordered the book, How to Pray for Your Pastor and for Your Church. How to Pray and Why You Must Pray for Your Pastor. That was the first contact Cynthia Hines had. This book I wrote years ago. So that's how she got in touch with our church. She says, I love that book, How to Pray for Your Pastor Intelligently and why you must pray for your pastor and your church. You say, I love that book. That is how I met you, Bishop. That's very, very powerful. I ordered your book for all the leaders in our church. Wow, wow, wow. I ordered your book for all the leaders in our church. I remember that, Cynthia. I remember that. So the details, additional information, resources, get that book, how to uh, pray for your pastor and why. You must pray. You must know the why and must know how to pray for your pastor. Sometimes people say, I'm praying for your pastor. The question is, what are you praying? So this teaches you how to pray for your pastor and then why you must pray for your pastor. So take those details, those that information, the website. Mama B, is it possible to put Apostles' website by ours so they can see both as we close this session today? Once again, Apostle, God bless you. Everyone that watched, everyone that joined us, thank you very much. And watch this space next week, Saturday. We are back at the same time, 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. God richly bless you. Glory to God, glory to God. would like to welcome you to join us for our Financial Freedom Masterclass that is coming on via Zoom. 
on the 27th of March 2021. It's going to be an awesome session where we're going to teach you how to pay off your mortgage within 6 to 10 years, how to be debt-free and maintain your debt-free status, how to build a business, administer your organization that will last and outlast you, and how to create financial reserves to finance your vision. Don't want to miss this financial freedom masterclass. The registration fee is only 30 pounds and you can register at www.michaelhattonwood.org. That is michaelhattonwood.org. You need to register and you need to register now. I'm telling you, your life will never remain the same. Register now at michaelhattonwood.org for the Financial Freedom Masterclass. Look forward to see you live on Zoom on the 27th of March 2021. God bless you and share and invite others.